Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galtz, and today we talk to Dr. Simeon Hein about his findings in his book, Opening Minds. Dr. Simeon Hein has an extensive research into crop circles and his potential and the potential connections to UFOs. So with that, Dr. Hein, welcome to Macabre Chakras. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for accepting the invitation. These are one of my favorite topics. So before we dig into your research that you put in your book, Opening Minds, can you please tell us how you even got into this topic in the first place? Uh, yeah, it... Uh... It kind of, I got into this topic of crop circles. It really was sideways through remote viewing. I was taking some remote viewing classes back in uh, 1996. And the instructor gave us towards the end of the class, a picture of a crop circle. It happened to be the Windmill Hill formation of 1996. It was called the Triple Julia set. And, um, I really didn't, I didn't know what crop circles were at the time. And in remote viewing, this is the ability that we have to intuitively sense non-local, you know, information, people, events. Uh, there was a government program in, you know, in RV from the 1970s classified program, as you know. And the idea is to get information about things that may be hard to get any other way. And you can use RVers to kind of access the information in a way you can't get from your physical senses so it is sometimes interesting to view what we call these esoteric targets to see if you can get more information than you could see from a picture and of course at the time crop circles were a real mystery in the mid 90s early 90s so i just got curious having viewed this target what are crop circles? I didn't even know what they were. And what did I get in my session related to these kind of kind of non-ordinary energies and patterns? I, I just got curious. So I ended up going on a crop circle tour with a guy named Ron Russell from the Denver area, whom I had met at a UFO conference in Denver, my first UFO conference ever in 1997. And he, he uh, gave us a presentation about crop circles and he gave tours and I went on his tour. Oh, in 1997 and uh, got to see them for myself and talk to people who had been around them and people that experienced uh, with them. And that's really how it started. Wow. Well, that I love it when one interest opens you up into a whole nother interest and you've really taken the tour 
to a whole nother level. So let's take a look at some of the crop circles that are featured in your book, Opening Minds, and what happened to your team and the equipment that you guys were investigating. So let me share my screen. And okay, so this is your website. Right. Mountbaldy.com. And I think you have two. And so there, I'm, we're not going to watch the whole video, but I'm going to link the video and the links in the show description, everyone. So if you want to go and watch um, what they found and what they were experiencing, um, you can click on those links. But um, explain to us what was happening to your team as you guys were investigating these crop circles. These were, these are, the first picture are two of our guests on our crop circle tour in 2000, I believe it's 2011. Uh, uh, I, I, Ron stopped doing the tours around 2006 and I had gone on so many of the tours with him that he just turned it over to me. And so those were some of our tour guests and I was able to record them talking about strange effects on their cameras and batteries this is what you're seeing on this webpage is all the instances I was able to record where there were strange effects on cameras, video cameras, batteries of our tour guests or just other people I encountered in crop circles and crop formations. Okay. So um, I'm playing this one video and what was happening to his um, so this instrument? Was the 1999 Devil's Den formation in Fifield uh, Downs near uh, Marlboro in Wiltshire. Uh, it was a very interesting formation. We couldn't find it right away. We had to hike around in this more remote area of Wiltshire. And I was able to record these folks coming in and having their GPS stop working as soon as they came into the formation. And uh, the guy I was with, uh, Maki-san, he was a crop circle researcher uh, and he's from Japan. He had a sushi restaurant here in Boulder, which I didn't know him at the time, but Mm, we met over there and, and he came in and his video camera stopped working. Um, and then these folks came in and, and their GPS stopped working. So it was a lot of camera and battery failure. My static meter stopped working. Uh, so three devices stopped working within a few minutes of people coming into that circle. This is another video of one of our tour guests. Mm-hmm. His uh, electronic compass stopped working in his watch uh, in this formation uh, near Avebury. So this well, is me, another example. Me, right. So let me ask you, um, when you guys leave the crop circle, does the equipment work again or is it completely fried afterwards? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I've had reports from people, they put it in their drawer and four months later it works again. Oh, so, interesting. Very strange effects. The first time I saw this, I have to tell you, was in 1997 in the Danbury triad formation, it was kind of a three, three circles kind of together. We called it the triad near Danbury, near Andover. Uh, Ron Russell's Sony video camera literally burnt out 
And he was mm. it was on, but he wasn't using it. He put it down on the formation and it melted the solder joints. He sent it back to Sony and they had to re-solder the wires going into the transformer. Uh, so whatever power surge happened, there was strong enough to melt solder. That's some real energy. And to me, this was proof all the way back in 97 that whatever you thought about crop circles, who was making them, why and how, there was real energetic effects there. Doesn't matter whether you think they're hoaxed or real or UFOs or whirlwinds, all of the above, we could detect really anomalous EMF pulses or some sort of energy that was strong enough to melt the insides of cameras. Okay, so that that would, um, there's, there's the argument that these are human, man-made overnight, um, and even if they're human, potentially human, man-made overnight, that wouldn't explain all the equipment failure that's happening inside the crop circles. So, um, well, so we didn't know at the time. All we knew is, you know, when you're going, when you're proceeding scientifically, you just have to go with what you can observe and record and detect. All we knew mm-hmm. is we were going into circles. We didn't know who or what was making them at the time. And our cameras and batteries were being affected. This whole page you can see are people with really odd effects on their cameras in these formations. And we didn't know, is it some residue of energy of something that created the formation? Or was the circle at the time we were going into them, was it generating a type of energy regardless of how it was made? We couldn't see because we'll get there in the daytime, they're already there. But once they were there, is there something about these shapes that you can see and the audience can see on the screen that is generating anomalous energy? After all, we all have cameras now, cell phones. How often do they completely fry out, fizzle, stop working? It's not that frequent, but we would have it happen right here in these formations. This guy was an electrical engineer in this Avebury 2008 formation. And- Mm -hmm his compass and his watch is no longer pointing true north. Now, this has happened many times. I've heard people whose compasses were spinning around. Uh, So, you know, to me, there was something very real about crop circles, which even in the most conservative scientific sense, you know, things that aren't real don't, destroy your cameras, batteries, and electronics. So there's something real going on there, apart from the debate of who or what is making them. That's where we were, you know, in the late 90s, um, is that there is something really going on because you can see the effects on your batteries. Now, you see this sometimes in different locations. We've had a lot of reports from the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, book recently about that Skinwalkers at the Pentagon by James Lukatsky. We see these types of camera and battery failure in sites where there's anomalous energy. And I would challenge anyone who thinks these aren't worth taking seriously to explain to me exactly why you get exactly what you're seeing on the screen here is weird effects on your photos, uh, strange effects on electronics, batteries. That's There's something real going on. Right, right. And, you know, whether these crop circles are hoax or creation. If it is a creation, not man-made because they, a lot of the, 
arguments that these are man-made um, really don't hold really strong. Um, then the then the question is, who is making them? Are they made by potential UFOs or um, non-local consciousness? I mean, who's making them? And that that is still uh, a point that people are still discussing because there's been some videos where where there's um, people who are filming the night before a crop circle was found in the morning and they see maybe some lights and that's speculation of what kind of technology that is. There is speculation that there may be like a team, but there's no footprints showing up. Um, but the, the thing that is most um, mysterious is how intricate many of these crop circles are. And so let me, let me ask you the fun part about crop circles is interpreting the meaning. So um, on this website, and you guys, you, you guys can get a copy of his book. Just go to the link in the show description. It'll take you over to get a copy of his book. And there's even more crop circles in his book um, and that he goes over in detail. But let's see what we can maybe understand from the images. So this one here, what what do you and your team think it, it may represent? This formation, we called it the Aztec formation because mm -hmm. it had this sort of Aztec symbology in it. Um, and my feeling about what they mean or what the messages could be is that it isn't as important how they're made. It's sort of what the shapes are, the mathematical precision, this sort of frequency. Mm -hmm. Because I do believe that even ones that are made by people can be real. They can be real if the frequencies are aligned, if there's a certain geometry and shape, and you start getting these orbs, as you mentioned, and these sort of strange phenomena around it. So I'm not one that thinks that just because it's made by people means it's a hoax or it's fake. I mean, it could be if the people just went out and did it for a lark and didn't really care, but that's not my experience. And, uh, you know, some of these are ones that we did make ourselves, not these two, but, you know, we've made them, we've gone out, we paid the farmer, we've gone out and done experiments to see if we could bring in these light orbs and different sort of phenomena. And we did get it in some of our formations too. So Really? Is, yeah, it's, it's not a sharp distinction. I know our minds sort of like those easy distinctions between this or that. It's not man-made or real. It's a combination of both. And mm. just because it's hard for our minds to accept, it doesn't mean that's what's going on. Because initially, we didn't think that humans could do any of these. And that's partly what Opening Minds is about, is I did go out with some of these teams um, and, uh, initially they did some in the daytime they had been paid for, they were kind of small. And then they did offer to, if I, you know, gave me the chance to see some made at night just to stand there. And I, I didn't think they could do it, but they were able to do these. Okay. Um, now let me ask you this, the people yeah. in the experiments, when people were going in at night or even in the daytime and trying to make them, were they as intricate as these ones are? Cause I don't yeah. They are no, as intricate. intricate. 
I don't know about these two directly. I wasn't there at these and I don't have any direct information about every single circle out there. Right, All right. I can say was they were much better than I thought they would be. Uh, they did have precision equipment, lasers and things to do things that I didn't think humans were able to do. My position originally, if you look at some of my presentations back in the late 90s, I was arguing more with the common argument that you hear with these that people couldn't make them because they're awfully intricate and complex. But once I went out at night with them and I saw some of the techniques they were using, I realized humans are more creative than we give often give them credit mm. for and they can do these patterns. But here's the thing that I think is really important that people seldom discuss. The human circle makers reported so-called paranormal phenomena when they were out there small okay. ufos coming over the circles missing time orbs balls of light showing up i think the topic is more complex than we generally think about it that's why i wrote opening minds it's a much there are more gray areas i know we like to think of this or that or that it's more of a blend and that's all i can say about it it's a blend and the people who make them that are serious are in the past, they, the ones I've known have been quite good at it and quite serious about creating something that had some resonance to it. Mm. So um, so this image right here of a spiral, mm -hmm. and it looks like uh, at the end of the, of the spiral is, I don't know, a ring with, um, yeah. what, what do you think this looks like? Yes, it has these kind of nested circles. It's kind of the typical sort of geometry we see where there's these ratios between larger circles and smaller circles. This one that we're looking at at Martin cell from 2009 is typical of the ones that would affect our batteries. The ones that affected our cameras and batteries had this sort of nested pattern, symmetrical, spiral, circular, the more squarish looking patterns didn't affect our cameras and batteries as much. Mm. So I'm not surprised that it was one of these. It seems to have go actually gone off the field too. But this person you see right there is Colin Andrews. He's one of the people that initially started studying along with the pilot, Busty Taylor, that was really the first person to see them in the late 80s from his Cessna by accident. And Colin and Busty you know, who we got to know well over the years were the ones that kept pushing for this and saying, no, there's really strange things going on out here. And here Colin is with our tour group with his camera not working. Right, um, right. So I, again, I challenge people to explain. I know it's very tempting to say if you're a skeptic, well, cameras fail occasionally. Yes, they do, but not in these numbers. I mean, they don't fail when you're on the beach or in the mountains or at a resort. When you go into crop circles, you're going to see much more of it. I'm speaking as a statistician, a former right. teacher. This happens much more than you would expect by chance, which to me indicates a very strong effect. And it's not an easy effect to explain, by the way. This is really quite strange when you see it happen to your own, uh, you know, your own equipment. Okay, so um, so just I can I can already here in my head that there's going to be some listeners is going to try to go out and make these formations do they always have have to be in in fields or can they be on the beach can they be um in other um places 
like can it be in a desert? Do they have the same? If a group of people were to create an intricate round or sacred geometry type of pattern like this, um, in on the beach or in the desert and other places besides in fields of of grains, are they going to get the same resonance? Is, is the computers going to uh, equipment still going to sh have some kind of electrical shock? Are they going to have the same kind of experience if they did it somewhere else? Have you ever? It's a really good question. Um, people have made them in sand. Uh, there's a fellow named uh, Julian Richardson who made a whole bunch out at Breen, uh, uh, Weston Supermare, mm -hmm. on the the west coast of the UK, and uh, he made some beautiful ones in sand. I wasn't there. I would have loved to have measured if we got the effects that we'd seen in the grain crop. Mm -hmm. But I imagine you could make them in different materials. The thing is, when you're doing it in a crop pattern, you've got these stalks of wheat, which are living things. They're interacting with the, you know, the earth and the atmosphere mm -hmm. and the cosmos, perhaps in a different way that uh, silicon sand would interact with, you know, the energetics of the earth but it's a good question and i can't fully answer it but the ones that i've seen we've done some in grass occasionally um the ones that have always been most active seem to be in you know grain crops mm, okay um that i i think i would like i think in my near future me and my kids may be making crop circles on the beach. <laughs> it was no, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lesson in mathematics and geometry and shapes. And uh, yeah, there's Colin Andrews. Yeah, a younger He's version of him. Much younger version of him. Yeah. Uh, he oh. was the one that really told us about these anomalous effects. The more you look into this, the stranger it gets. And just even if you find human involvement, that does not completely explain away some of these effects. I'll, I'll give you an example of that. Mm. I've spoken to circle makers who said they had a sudden impulse while they were, you know, before they went to bed to go out and make a circle, even by themselves. They picked a location only to find out that there was a group nearby meditating on that exact shape. So there oh. was like a telepathic connection. So what do you make of that? I mean, a person went out to make it, but they felt this impulse to do it. And they found that people were meditating nearby on that shape. There's a lot of transfer of information that is anomalous with related, you know, with these circles. Sometimes people see them in their mind's eye, even before they show up, not circle makers, just people who go out to look at these. So uh, there's a lot of anomalies. And Colin found the same thing looking at some of these projects that he was involved in too. Right. And that, that, that makes, that, that brings up the question that I have about um, those comments is, you know, if it's not UFO, is it non-local consciousness? Meaning um, in quantum physics and in, um, in Buddhism, this is a Buddhism podcast that explores different ways to see and interpret our reality, but we all are, interconnected it's just a matter of how much interconnectivity you are you are and also what the frequency is to 
source or to God or universal conscious, whatever you call it. But basically, it's all consciousness. So if you have a team of people who are meditating on a specific image, and then another person picks up on that frequency and then goes and makes that shape, I mean, that kind of brings in the argument that uh, whether we know how it works or not, we may be connected to one another and creating these shapes out of our own consciousness. Like, kind of like the master is creating reality just by thinking it. So that's the that that's one argument that some people have is that it might not be UFOs. It might be non-local consciousness and it's us making it. What do you think about that argument? Um kind of like those phones in the past where it was like a party line where you anyone could pick up and be on the phone before everyone had their own individual landline, you know, but I think this was back in the 40s or 30s where phones were invented you know like each apartment building would have one phone line and mm -hmm. you, had, you know you could pick it up it's kind of like that where different people can pick up on the phone and contribute but ufos do make these there isn't any doubt in my mind that there are multiple sources for uh crop circles i'm kind of a pluralist in this sense mm -hmm. there are witnesses i've spoken to who have seen flying discs flatten meadows and flower you know flowers in meadows uh it's in one of my books black swan ghosts uh a woman picking huckleberries in north uh eastern washington state with her brother i mean they she was primarily a ufo witness but when i asked her about the characteristic of this disc that was hovering over the meadow she said as it left it went over the meadow and flattened the plants and i said how hmm. flat she said flat as a pancake what does that remind you of flat as a pancake so there is a ufo connection ufos are seen around these crop circles i haven't seen a ufo make one of these but i've talked to enough witnesses where the ufos are seen around the shapes uh, Terry Lovelace, who wrote that book, Incident at Devil's Den, about his abduction experience in the Arkansas State Park area with another Air Force buddy on a weekend trip in the 70s, Devil's Den State Park. He came out with a second book, Devil's Den, The Reckoning, where he had readers and, you know, write their people who had read his book, first book, share their stories. And one of them was from South Africa, where this person said uh, one of his farmer friends called him said there's something strange on my fields he went out and there were discs hovering over the wheat fields when those discs left there were circles behind just like you see where colin mm -hmm. is and nothing grew there for several years so i think based on the eyewitness testimony and i get a lot of flack for this from people who think it's the whole thing has to be a man-made hoax no there are really witnesses to seeing flying discs leave these sort of simple shapes behind. And then we have the work of Taki Aki Matsumoto from Japan, a nuclear physicist who is a pioneer in cold fusion, low energy nuclear reaction. And he says where he lived on Hokkaido in Northern Japan, uh, he's a, he was a uh, professor at Sapporo University. He said, Three days in a row, there were circles in the fields after thunderstorms, mm. perfect circles. 
And I have seen some in the UK that looked like they hadn't, you know, been made by any technological source. They really looked like whirlwind driven. So I think to be fair to the circle phenomena, there are multiple sources for these circles. There's whirlwind ball lightning. Ball lightning does create these swirls and leave some of these behind. There are UFO related, which actually go all the way back to the Tully saucer nests in the 60s in Australia, where disks were seen over a swampy area when they left, there were these sort of shapes there. And then more recently, there are human made ones. And there's kind of an overlap here because you're talking about consciousness. I mean, once we get to the, the kind of frequency and resonance of these circles, going back to the party phone, uh, a common phone line analogy, you know, I think once these shapes are there, because of the geometry and the resonance, I think they interact with the background energy of the universe to create uh, types of phenomena that we don't ordinarily see in a wheat field where the stalks are just standing up right. straight. Once right. they're touching and they're swirled, there's some different physics properties that come into play. And that's why for me, it's not as important necessarily who made them or how it's these patterns, the shapes, what does it, uh, what does it do when it's there? Right. Right. And, um, as you, as you guys, I'm not sure if you, any of you or some of you have gone and had a chance to go and see a crop circle. If you are not in an area, like if you don't live in England and you're not able to go and see a crop circle or meditate in a crop circle um, to see if you can maybe get some kind of resonance or some kind of frequency, get some kind of experience out of it. I've heard different things from people in that some people who have said they go to a crop circle and they meditate, they feel afterwards maybe a little healing. Um, I've heard um, from people who have gone to crop circles and uh, meditated and they're taking pictures and they see a pyramid um, shape out of the sunshine around them. And so you, you see different, and, and actually I had an episode uh, with Mr. Sargent, which I'll put in the description show description if you want to watch that episode where he did meditate and that's the experience that he got and it was a video not a picture so you could actually see it but a lot of people ex say that they experience different things now um going back to the fun part of interpretation i actually back in 2012 um pulled a bunch of images and this one, this image I found on the internet and I looked it over and I came up with my interpretation. And so I wanted to get your thought on what this interpretation is. So let me, let me go into it. So, um, this is a 3D cube. As you can see, it's basically Metatron's cube for people who are really into sacred geometry um, or people who read my two Buddhist mandalas books that explain the sacred geometry of us. But um, here's Metatron's cube. And then this is a crop circle and this is a 4D cube. Okay. And then another crop circle showed up and there's a 5D cube. Okay. So then this crop circle, these two crop circles showed up. 
And um, the person that interpreted this said that this was the moon and this was the earth. And then the Avery, Avery Manor 2008 crop circle, it looked like a constellation of the planets. Okay. So moving forward, there was another crop circle. This one right here. And it goes over the lunar phase. Okay. And, it, and then another crop circle that basically looks like the, um, the eclipse, a, a full moon eclipse pattern in it. Okay. Um, and this is actually the, one of the ones that you had in your website with the, the, the circle and the four circles in the ring around the main circle. That was a note down of July 28. And the person that interpreted this thinks that's the earth and then that's the, the sun rotation. So going into the next set, this Sugar Hill crop circle, August 1st, 2007, this one uh, could be interpreted as Metatron's cube with the 18 cubes equals 18 days until the Sun-Venus conjunction. There's a lot of um, astronomy and cosmology in these crop circles, and it's a consistent message. Um, this next one here at Wayland Smithies in 2005, um, further looking at it is two binary codes and then the one next to it the Avery Trestlow 2000 that one uh, some people saw it as field lines of a barn magnet mm -hmm. um, kind of how the energy flows yeah uh, the next one go here this image some people saw it as um, the CERN for magnets, I'm not sure about that one, but you know, it's it's interesting. Um, this one right here, Beckhampton, 2002, people saw it as an orbital motion of Venus. The next one is five sets of Venus cycles. Um, this fascinating 18 circles one here um, that showed up on August 15, 2011, in England. Um, that one. People thought it was chromosomes, okay? And the crop circle you see on the right of it looks like a square. People thought it was two ancient symbols for human spirituality. Now, here's where it gets interesting. You have this crop circle in Germany in 1991 at Grasdorf, okay? It looks kind of pagan. And um, the golden burial plate has that same exact uh, logo. So um, th though that was interesting. And then you have the Avery Manor in 2008. Looks like Constellation. And then this is an interesting one too. The Crooked Soli 2002, this one, many people thought it looked like um, the, the human chromosomes. Okay? So... My interpretation at the time, after seeing all of this, was that the crop circles may convey that the Earth is going through a galactic planetary alignment in December 2012, which moved it from a third dimensional to a fifth dimensional cube formation of oneness. So, and, and it goes into kind of the awakening process of transitioning into a new um, 
cycle on earth. So that was, that was my thought with that. There's another one I did for a little while. I wanted to get your thoughts. So this crop circle here looks like a Mandelbrot set, exactly like a Mandelbrot set. And um, a Mandelbrot set is often found in the flower of life and sacred geometry, which people, if they do that research into, um, you know, basically how um, beings are formed, it's, they, they, they start forming the Mandelbrot set. So I thought that was very fascinating that we have a crop circle of a Mandelbrot set. And then the next one that I um, looked at, and I agree with this interpretation that many people had as well. This one was a July uh, 20, 2005 crop circle from Avebury, Henge. And many people thought it looked like um, Dr. Emoto's water crystals. And, it, and there's a picture comparison. Okay, so what do you, what do you think about um, a lot of people looking at these crop circles and then, you know, as they look at one, they look at another and it starts to make a story. It starts to have a message. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, the stories that people create around them are their stories. That doesn't mean it's not true. It's true for them. Because when I look at these, I think that you could have multiple interpretations of what it means. We're looking at a sort of multidimensional process. You might be familiar with that book called Flatland written by Edwin Abbott in the 1890s. And it's about a society that lives on a tabletop mm -hmm. surface, two-dimensional, and these three-dimensional shapes start coming through the surface of the table. And initially they can't make sense of it because you know, if you were on a flat surface and a sphere started coming through, it would look like a circle that was getting bigger and then smaller again, you know. Well, the book is a parody of Victorian England, but it's, it's really about how our minds are a little too limited. We don't want to believe in other dimensions. We just want to right. believe in the ones we can see. Now, when I look at these patterns, I see them as multidimensional shapes being expressed in a two-dimensional surface. You're just getting a slice of the information. And so it, to me, it's not surprising that these could act like a type of a waveguide mm. to allow an intersection with other realities. And I think that would explain why you get UFO sightings around these, the orbs, the balls of light, shadow people, and all of the phenomena we've seen the electronic and camera failure, EMF anomalies. I've even seen people's objects kind of semi-melt <laughs> after being in these metallic objects. Now, to me, this suggests there's more going on than you can see. You're kind of seeing just a sliver of a larger dimensional shape, but um, you can interpret that in different ways. And people do have these interpretations. And I don't think that the there's one correct way to interpret it. But um, when you look at them, they do suggest stories and ideas. And that could be because of the intention of the circle makers or that you're sort of just seeing something differently than you saw before. After all, 
in a two-dimensional space, there's only so many ways that you can connect things, which means that you're going to get geometry patterns and resonance. Right, right. And, you know, a lot of um, people who are interested in crop circles, and everybody makes their own interpretations in terms of when they get beyond the how is it made and all the logistical um, questions, then they go into, let's take a look at the intricate pattern in and of itself. And some of these are um, mind-boggling in terms of how intricate they are. But Very intricate, yeah. Yeah. But some of these, for a majority of the population, they don't even understand what this image is. So it wasn't really until uh, maybe the last decade that Metatron's Cube, okay, Metatron's Cube is um, an image that people recognize. It, 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 in pop culture, it became more popular as um, people in metaphysical circles brought, brought it forward. But most people, they, they look at that and they just see a pretty star, but they don't know that that is actually um, a two-dimensional symbol of a much more complex um, code of how things are organized in, in reality. So let me ask you this. I'm going to actually bring up um, Lucy Pringle's homepage, and she's a crop circle researcher as well. Lucy, if you're watching this, hit me up. I definitely want to talk to you. I've been trying to get a hold of you. But um, let's look at the most recent crop circles from 2020 to 2021. And I really want to get your oh, your, your thoughts on this. Okay. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on, go back to it. Okay. So um, this one, some people think it's NHS and key workers. What, what do you think about this one? Well, you, you know, you have one of these nested crescent-based formations here where there's some stylized patterns in areas that sometimes would be flattened. Mm. Um, these types of shapes... It has some of the aspects of the ones that have affected our electronics and so forth. In fact, we made a pattern like this Ooh, okay. um, in 2001 uh, in the Avebury area, a little bit towards Swinton. We had, we had paid the farmer. He was curious what we could do, and he let us make a couple of formations. And this has some of those patterns, but... You know, the ones, I'll be honest, the ones that seem to me to be the most energetically active are the ones with a kind of very, you know, symmetrical pattern. When you start seeing those stylized shapes that are a little different, you're going to get different reactions. And I haven't seen as many energetic effects in that sort of shape. But I guess whoever commented on this, it reminded them, I'm not familiar enough with the UK healthcare system. Is that like the national healthcare system? Is that their pattern or what? I'm I'm not sure, but some people I, I say that it looks like yeah. something that reminded them of that. I mean, there is something. Look, uh, there is a heart shape sort of in there. Yeah. Um, I I didn't get to go in the past couple of years because of the COVID situation, so I haven't been in these personally. Yeah. Well, a couple of years. Yeah. Well, this one is fascinating, and this one um, is one that showed up on May 2020. Mm -hmm. Now, um, this one. If you look at it, you're like, okay, it looks like a blob with some, you know, circle formations. But um, this one, 
I'm going to crop circles, Pringo. There, there was actually a, um, a professor, Jerry Croft, and he interpreted this crop circle um, as depicting the coronavirus. Okay, and I'm going to put his YouTube video is a fascinating um, video to see why he thinks this is the coronavirus. And this crop circle appears to show the virus at a magnification of 12 million and features an enlarged spike protein magnified 100, 100 times greater than than what it is. So there's also this elongated section here which displays what he thinks is eight amino acids or peptides, which microbiologists refer to as SP8 or spike eight in SARS-CoV-2 or also um, in COVID. So this is his interpretation that this is the coronavirus. Now, supposedly this circle, according to his interpretation, is the coronavirus and the coronavirus supposedly has a little magnification that has eight something. Now, this could also be debated as eight chromosome eight, which um, chromosome eight, for anybody who's familiar what chromosome eight is, it's a gene that if somebody has chromosome eight in their body, um, what could cause heart issues, kidney failures, um, and other organ failures that sound very familiar to somebody who's suffering from and not recovering from COVID. So this is very much debatable, but he makes a very, very strong argument for his interpretation of that. Um, but, but when you look at this image, what do you see? When I first saw this, it reminded me of Stonehenge. Really? The way that the stones are placed. When I saw this, it reminded me of a stone circle. And there are lots of stone circles in the UK, some in Ireland. Uh, Avebury is one of the best known and oldest stone circles around. So what it reminded me of, and I'm not saying that Jerry's uh, Krauss interpretation is wrong, but when I look at it, I see energy coming out of a stone circle. And mm. we, we spent a lot of time around the stone circles and it seemed to me like it was almost like a very... Uh, ancient form of technology where if you arrange stones in certain patterns again with symmetry the symmetry part is very important the precision that it creates energy that's not there in the empty field and when i saw this i mean that's what the first thing it suggested to me is stone circles emitting energy in a particular direction you're aware like even stonehenge has these directional patterns in it that are aligned with the solstices. I mean, the people who created it knew about the solstice. And if you look through it on certain dates, you'll see the sun coming up exactly between some stones. Like they knew mm -hmm. about kind of the, uh, you know, the astronomical patterns and the calendar of the earth and it was created. Though. So that's just what it makes me think of when I look at it. Now, other people could have different interpretations. And I guess, you know, looking at it straight down in the lower right, it definitely has the feeling of a cell or the virus or something like that. But mm. I could not get over the stone circle imagery in the lower part of the formation. Right. Having right. spent a lot of time in the UK, the stone circles made a big impact on me. And uh, they're just incredible. We don't have those in the United States. 
And these are ancient, huge dolmens that were placed there with great care. Uh, some of them are quite large, like in Avebury, the largest stone circle in Europe. It in actually encompasses the town. That's what it reminded me of when I looked at it. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that as well. Um, okay, so here's another one from 2020. Okay, this is May 2020. I see yin and yang. Yeah, yeah. What do you see? Do no, you see it definitely has that yin yang imagery in it. And um, Warminster uh, was the site of many UFO encounters and sightings in the 70s. David Kingston. Mm -hmm. uh, no longer with us physically passed on a number of years ago used to talk about this at the crop circle conferences in Glastonbury was the significance of Warminster. Now the yin yang symbol is also very interesting in terms of cold fusion, low energy nuclear reaction and charge clusters, because if you start looking into this area, and this is something that I've been researching pretty intensively in the past six months, there's a lot of connection to this so-called uh, charge clusters and uh, magnetic monopoles and sort of strange sorts of energy you get from cold fusion Lenner reactions. When you look at it microscopically, it looks like this mm. in the patterns of these energy charges that are transmuting and moving through materials at a microscopic level. So the very surprising thing to me having you know looking into this new area of you know as matsumoto called it an electronuclear transmutation a very interesting mm -hmm. area involving alchemy at a nuclear level from this cold fusion process is the charge clusters leave patterns that look like this in the materials that they're moving through and I have to add one more thing here, Von Gold, mm -hmm. by the way, which is very important, is these charge clusters don't evaporate like that. They can last for days or weeks or months in the material after they've been created, which oh. might be a clue as to why these patterns are leaving energy behind that affect our electronics, because it's this sort of shape that has an energy at a microscopic level. And just like a fractal, you know, as above, so below, at mm -hmm. a macroscopic scale, something I've always believed, it also could be creating an energetic effect. Because you look under an electron microscope, you're going to see things that really look like this, that very high level researchers, both from Japan and Russia, are really attempting to kind of work through exactly what is going on at this microscopic level. Um, but in any case, it sort of looks like that. So that's what it reminds me of now. But that's just me having, having someone looking at Leonard and cold fusion right now to, right, to right. see what's tying all this together. Looks like that. Well, you know, in my book, um, Buddhist Mandalas, I think in book one, uh, in Buddhism, the yin yang is a two dimensional uh, depiction of the human energy field from the top down if you look from the top down um because there's a there's there's two toroidal fields that make the human energy field one on top and one on bottom and they move in a um in different patterns but they, they're interconnected they, um, they kind of right. switch off in the right. middle but if you look from the top it looks like the yin and yang because that's the that's the 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 motion of the two toroid fields going in different directions. So um, 
we may be talking about the same similar type of natural movement in nature that is found in many different things. Yeah, so, and the name, uh, that is exactly right. It's a toroidal sort of field. And it's called, uh, some researchers call it magnetotoro electrodynamic energy. Uh, it's that spinning motion, that swirling toroidal motion yeah. that generates charge clusters. And right. the, yeah, these, these charge clusters that move through materials and literally transmute them from one sort of element, you know, chemical element into another are spinning around like this. So it is that pattern. That's why they call it magnetotoro. Some people call it that magnetotoro electrodynamic energy. It's a kind of a hydrodynamic model and it's spinning, it's moving. So when I look at these, I look at them differently than I might've seen them 10 years ago, just because I'm studying new topics, but mm -hmm. it does show that things are connected and, you know, you can see it at a macroscopic level or at the subatomic level, same sort of patterns and same mm. sort of energies. So, okay, yeah. let's go to, that That was in May. Let's go to June yeah. and see if June has anything fascinating. Well, June 2020, This is th these are the most recent ones during the pandemic. This one looks interesting. Um, it looks like a cogwheel to me, kind of like, it yeah. looks very mechanical. It does, it does, yeah. I like it. it you like it? You know, it's a different sort of pattern than you normally see. It does have that kind of, technological cogwheel effect but um it does look pretty symmetrical so this is mm -hmm. this is the type that we would say in advance we might get some electromagnetic effects here again just mm. from my experience and i'd be curious to hear from other people where we get the battery camera failure detect anomalous energy on our emf meters and static meters is in these more circular symmetrical patterns than in the ones that are less symmetrical and, and kind of longer. Well, what about, what about this one? This is a Stonehenge kind of, yeah. it's- Well, you've got that yin yang sort of pattern in it at either end. It's a, it's a, it's a very creative sort of design there. Mm. Again, it's symmetrical. Let me say something important about symmetry. It's the basic of, basis of physics. And Emmy uh, Nurter, the female physicist who was a friend of Einstein's who discovered this realized that symmetry and conservation of energy is really the essence of physics at any level, whether it's quantum mechanics or Newtonian physics. When you get patterns like this in a grain field, it is disrupting the existing symmetry and putting the new one down. And this is why you get interesting effects. The energy patterns totally change around these. Mm -hmm. And, and, in 2020 it seems to be the crop circle of circles yes we, we had a lot of them in 2020 yeah here's more circle circular ones uh this is again another one of those yin yang ones um or ones kind of coming into yeah the formation here's a bigger one these are, these are quite large talk about workout um it's another one more circular ones here's a very intricate circular one as well and this one kind of looks a little bit like, see on the ends, how it kind of has this kind of arching flower yeah, petal kind of thing. It kind of, yeah, it kind of looks almost, you know, in my mind, being um, a, a student of Buddhism art, yeah. I see a lotus. 
yes, you could see that there. Yeah, I, I, I see a lotus. I see a lotus. And these, uh, these right here, I see, I mean, I, I just see a mandala. I just see now, this is like, this is the image of, yeah. of somebody. Now, one thing to look at here is the pattern of the crop that is down. Is it a sort of a radial lay that lays out from the center? Like you would expect if it was an energy source that came down and pushed out the wheat, or is it circular, uh, spiraling in the center? And this is some, one of the things that we look for in these. Now you do have a close-up shot in the lower. Yeah, right, right here. here. Which oh. does seem more of a spiral shape than a radial sort of split. Yeah. Where then yeah. came down and pushed it out. This looks a little more swirled around. Those mm -hmm. swirls are very interesting. And this is the types of locations where we've seen a lot of the anomalous uh, electromagnetic effects on our electronics. Mm, so swirl. So I hope you guys yeah, are taking absolutely. notes. If you yeah. want to try to imitate this um, in some kind of field or not, the, the swirl pattern um on the grass yeah. when you're like trying to stomp it down or try to create some kind of um effect here's another here's another one uh very intricate so that is june we're gonna go to i think like a 2020 had a lot of good one 2021 didn't really have very much here is an interesting one Uh, it looks like a company logo to me. I don't understand this could one. Be. It could be. That is very close to logo like, but we don't know. I don't, doesn't look like any logo that I'm familiar with. Again, it's another symmetrical pattern. No matter where you are in this circle, it's sort of going to look the same. It's, it's got a, a type of what we call rotational symmetry, where yeah. if you rotate it, it's going to be the same no matter what angle that that is different than translational symmetry where every pattern looks like the rest this has more rotational symmetry again i'm convinced <clears throat> it's this type of symmetry and symmetry breaking that leads to some very interesting mathematically based effects right and the thing that's interesting about this one um is you, you have this part right here where there's like a darker and then they they create these like tufts or yeah, on the grass very interesting there yeah very yeah tall. like uh, and so it creates when you look from a, the, a farther view it creates a, a two texture so yeah, here on the image on the top right you can kind of see so that that it creates some kind of dimension dimension like it's like a three-dimensional yeah you if you look at it that way you could see it kind of like those little diamond shapes are like cast yeah shadows or something like that they're very interesting how they thought about doing that with um and for me it just looks like it looks like very corporate logo but it's not it's a nested parallelogram it looks i don't know if it's the umbrella corporation trying to tell us something or not but um it is an interesting here's a here's a, a standard one you see circles intricate circles and then here's this one what do you make of this one? This, I mean, for, I just think of like radioactive when I look at this. You know, so when I saw this one, it, it really reminded me of some sort of waveguide. Uh, yeah. Directional, you see, it's not just perfectly symmetrical, which would give it a direction. Now, when you walk around these in the field, you want to look at the hills that are around there, the downs, as they're called. 
in the UK, different landmarks, you know, the kind of the feng shui of the whole environment. So it's not just the pattern itself, but how is it oriented within the the literal field, the farm field itself in relationship to other landmarks in the area or other, you know, the topography of the area. Yeah, the only thing about this one that I wish um, the, the the makers of it could have done is maybe add some connected points. So it almost, if you're walking through it, it almost runs like a lampreys. Yeah. Well, when you make your own someday, when you go find a farmer's field and ask for permission, pay him to do it or however, you can do add that in and see what you get. Um, like a little Lambert, and then people can walk through it and kind of meditate know, on these, life. These remind me of circuits of, you know, mm. subatomic circuits that were seen at a macroscopic scale. And you almost kind of wondered if you change the shape, would you ch- change the tuning of them to get different sort of effects? Um, Let me ask you something, um, Simeon. Have you ever taken a tuning fork and try to find out what what frequency these different crop circles are re- resonating at? Like not it's with very, equipment. It's a very but with like, Okay. No, no. I think it would, and it's something we never did as much as I would have liked, just because mm. you're carrying everything in, in a backpack. It's sometimes a farmer's field. Maybe they don't want you there visiting later on. Uh, but what it really would be interesting to go out with various sounds to broadcast these sounds, whether from a tuning fork or a small loudspeaker. The speakers are more advanced than they were in the past. Portable speakers. And we could have yeah. tones and see if some sort of effect comes back with the tones. So it's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, because I'm thinking if the electronic equipment is failing to produce a result, then maybe manual equipment like a tuning fork or you know, um, some of those. Um, We're going to look a little bit more and see what 2020 gave us. Uh, Let's look at August. It was August. Let's see what September 2020 gave us. What do you make of this? This this, This one was... I don't get anything out of it. Well, what you've got going on here are the farmer's tram lines going through the formation. These are spaced every 80 feet apart, which Mm. allows you to get some sense of the size based on where the tractor lines are, as we call them here in the U.S. and the U.K., they're called tram lines. And the circles always have to deal with these tram lines one way or another. Now, what the, the circle makers, whoever they are here, have attempted to do is to kind of play around with the tram lines to kind of make them as a kind of a negative space mm. raised in one section. Now, again, yeah. Yeah. this does have some symmetry to it. You could actually fold this. You could sort of fold this over on mm. itself, but not, not quite. And it's uh, it's kind of playing around with positive and negative imagery. Mm. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. may not have come out looking that great, but we have to give credit to whatever intelligence was thinking about this to kind of work with positive and negative spaces. So you could get that out of it. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So that was 2020. And then 2021 didn't bless us with, us with very many, um, much artwork to look at. So this is 2021. And that's it. That was in May 2021. What do you think about this one? Yeah, so this isn't a plant here. We call it canola. This is not wheat. And uh, that 
wow, that's sort of like Etch-A-Sketch type of, uh, that, that reminds me of puzzle pieces or something. Uh, but if we look at it carefully, you know, it does have the symmetrical aspect to it. Yeah. And again, anytime you're getting large scale symmetries, you're putting another type of energy there in the field, as far as I'm concerned. So mm. this, you know, and this has, you know, in, in feng shui and in Taoist practices, these straight lines are called sha lines. The, the beneficial energy in, you know, Chinese qigong and tai chi is considered to be a circular energy. Mm -hmm. And these straight lines are called sha. And they're actually kind of considered a line of attack. This has a lot of those shock lines in it, which would give it a very different feeling than a more concentric circle based uh, formation. If you went into this, you would probably notice that it feels very different than ones that are more primarily based on nested circles and concentric circles. So this is a different sort of design and it would be interesting to see if it what it felt like if you were actually in it. Now, this would have been in May 2021. So uh -huh. uh, we wouldn't have been there in May, even if we had gone over. So, but and yeah. here's the challenge, Von Galt, is that a lot of the farmers don't want anyone walking in their fields, even once mm -hmm. these are there. Some of them put up collection boxes. Uh, it's challenging. I mean, this is someone's field and they don't, and this looks like no one visited it to me. So yeah, it looks very pristine. Well, um, that and that concludes the crop circle exercise. That was there fun. I, I love now let's get into some com conversations about consciousness because you guys when you go to his website to order his book, um, to go to follow his content on his YouTube channel, he goes into a lot of conversations about consciousness and parallel realities. So let me ask you this, um, Dr. Hine, your research goes into parallel realities and consciousness. So what have you discovered? You know, do you have a hypothesis around that? Yeah, I think our common sense notion, even of quantum mechanics, is, is too limited. Mm. People have been proposing ever since the 1950s that quantum mechanics really suggests parallel realities that it's almost built into the way quantum mechanics is structured around the Schrodinger wave function. Is there different possibilities for any collections of particles and probabilities about what they're going to be doing? Right. We have never really had an honest discussion of where these other possibilities are. And I, I'm sure you're familiar with this idea that there's a wave function collapse, that the other possibilities disappear. And this is what I've always heard, you know, going to conferences yeah. about these subjects since the 90s. But let's say they don't disappear. Where do they go? Right. And this is what bothered some people, Hugh Everett III and others, since the 1950s is quantum. The simplest interpretation of quantum mechanics is that they're parallel realities and that we live in a multiverse. You have to add on things to get to just one reality. The only thing that you see is what you see around you, and that's it. But that's not what quantum mechanics uh, really suggests. And um, 
So if we do have parallel realities, how would we interact with them? How do we see them in our lives? And I would suggest that it's more like a frequency idea. Most of the time we're tuned on a certain frequency. This is why we can communicate right now. Our technology is on the same frequency right. or we wouldn't be interacting. We right. need there to be common frequencies. Right. That doesn't mean that there aren't other frequencies out there that sometimes overlap with ours. And in my view, those crop circles are like these intersection points where, you know, other realities could interact with ours because the crop circle has a frequency. You can measure the diameter of the circle. You can look at the frequency of it and you're going to have some sort of commonality. Anytime you're dealing with frequencies, there are resonances. You mentioned the tuning fork before and there's yeah. harmonics. There's right. different octaves of frequencies. Normally the frequencies we see are a certain set of frequencies around our physical senses. But that doesn't mean the other frequencies aren't there. And I think you can uh, just from a very straightforward quantum mechanics point of view argue that there are other ways that reality can be constructed that we may not be perceiving, but in those realities, they exist for those observers in those particular realities. Right. Well, let me ask you this about that in terms of um, resonance and frequency. So you've established from your research that these different crop circles, whether they be man-made or unknown, who the creator are, and that's, um, that's up to interpretation. But regardless of the log logistics of how they're made, the, um, the design creates our, a harmonance and a resonance and a certain frequency. And you, your equipment hasn't been able to depict which frequency it is. So like, are you measuring it based off of Hertz or are you measuring it off of other things to get the frequency? Uh, that goes back to sound. And we didn't really get a chance to use, use sound equipment that much. As I mentioned, we were mostly using EMF and static electrostatic detectors. We did detect a lot of anomalous voltage around some of these formations where the meter would really start jumping around in these formations in a way it didn't do in the rest of the field. Okay. So that is very common around these sorts of phenomena. If you look again, I mentioned that books, uh, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, you know, the, the research into the Skinwalker Ranch, you, you often get a lot of voltage, not a lot of current, so it's not going to actually be dangerous to you, but you get these high voltages, which show that, you know, there's something going on mm -hmm. that is out of the ordinary. So to get the frequency of the formation, I mean, really, you, you could do it in multiple ways. You could look at the diameter of the formation and look at it in terms of Planck's constant, which is a very, very tiny constant, you know, the the time it takes for light to go across an atom. It's a really small unit of measurement, but there are different ways that you could get the frequency. We didn't do a lot of those sorts of experiments, but it'd be interesting to do it. You know, I mean, I, here's, here's what I, I wonder. I wonder if there is a way using, um, I don't know, if it's tuning forks or, or whatnot to get the frequency that is radiating out inside these crop circles and then maybe take a tone generator a portable one 
and amplify that specific yeah. number. So that's my hypothetical. Let's say you create a crop circle or you go and find one. And then some way in your equipment, you find that, that the crop circle is resonating at a frequency of 525, okay, 525 hertz. And then you take a tone generator and you blast 525 hertz inside of that crop circle in the middle of it and see what happens. You're just amplifying that existing uh, frequency of that crop circle with the tone generator. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good experiment. I think so. I think people should see do that. what happens. I mean, then, then the, the other question is, because you've, you've alluded that these two-dimensional images in these crop circles may be kind of a connecting point to other dimensions, or at least it suggests that it might be a connected point to other dimensions. Uh, could they possibly, I'm, I'm getting sci-fi here, but could they possibly be turned into portals? I don't see why not. And uh, if you looked at, you know, you're familiar with this, this area of acoustics called cymatics. Yes. Right. And, you know, you could see like the sand on a metal plate form these symmetrical patterns based mm -hmm. on the frequency that's being projected into the, these crop formations always looked a lot to me. They look like cymatic patterns. Mm -hmm. And what cymatics tells us is that every frequency has a structure. Yep. You know, and, and that structures have frequencies. Now, even though you can't hear what these objects sound like, they're creating their own frequency, maybe out of the range of your ear, but they create a tone. I, 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 they create a, 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 a an ambience in your yeah. environment. I think that's what the field of feng shui is all about, is that shapes to kind of create a, a, a resonance about them, which your body can feel. And some of these resonances feel more biologically compatible and others don't, which is why you reacted to a lot of these circles. Some of them feel very comfortable, like you'd like to go in them. And some mm -hmm. feel a little bit like, yeah, they're kind of yeah. from a distance. I don't really want to explore that one. So it's yeah, yeah. have a certain frequency. And I think it goes both ways. And I think crop circles have something to do with that. And that's a really good point, uh, you know, Dr. Hine, is that these images, if we were able to find the specific frequency that they send out, and then we take that frequency from crop circle A and put it into a semantic sand plate, or instrument and put that exact frequency in there, would it create the same shape? No, it's a really, it's a good question. Logically, I think it, would, it, it should. It'd be very interesting to do these experiments with acoustics because it, if it if you're creating it with sand or pollen on a metal plate or a glass surface, uh, like Ernst Kolodny did when he kind of created this, I think it was in the 1700s. Mm -hmm. Uh, the German sort of acoustic physicist, he would go around with his bow on a metal plate and show these patterns, right. called them nodal, nodal modes. Uh, you know, then the, the kind of the sound waves are almost visible in the pattern of the sand. So what patterns are of sound are the crop formations creating? And does that tune us into sort of other frequencies, other realities? You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. It, it may be a subtle effect, but I've heard enough stories of people losing time in crop circles, just weird effects that are very hard to explain from any conventional point of view. And uh, it mm -hmm. sometimes does seem, you mentioned the idea of a portal. 
Uh-huh. I mean, this is even what some of the human circle makers told me they thought was going on. I mean, you do so, see some of these uh, orbs of light and sort of anomalous objects and you mm-hmm. have these experiences that are out of the ordinary around us. Um, and to me, that suggests that something like that is, is going on. It's a kind of frequency resonance based idea. Right, right. Um, the other thing about, about the, and, and we'll go back into the conversation of parallel realities, because again, we're talking portals, dimensions, and do, if we were able to find the exact frequencies that is the energy that's emitting out of these crop circles. Um, you know, uh, Dr. David R. Hawkins, he's a, um, he's a writer of power versus force and he's passed away. But anyways, he does the map of consciousness and he found that certain cities locations have their own unique frequency. So if hypothetically a crop circle has, let's say a 525 Hertz frequency and a specific town or location in the world has the same frequency, you know, what's the connection there? So there's a lot of research that can be done when you add harmonics and semantics into these crop circles. Um, now, in terms of parallel realities, what are your thoughts on the Mandela effect, whereby people have completely different memories of engaging in the same exact experience, um, but with, again, different timelines? For example, for people who are not familiar with the Mandela effect, some people recall that Nelson Mandela died in prison. And they can tell you where they were and what they experienced when he died in prison. And others can recall that he died years ago as the president of South Africa, which is my experience. But I have friends and I know people who recall he died in prison. So what, um, what are your thoughts on people who don't know each other in different parts of the world having two different experiences of the same topic such as the nelson mandela experience i think that is an example of parallel realities is there's different versions of the events that we are led to believe just have one path they have parallel paths and you your mind and consciousness experiences one of those for probably a variety of reasons, it seems to make more sense to our conscious mind to have one version, but that doesn't mean that that's the only one that exists. And again, I think, uh, you know, Sean Carroll, the physicist from Caltech, wrote a book called Something Deeply Hidden. He, It's a recent book. He argues that what you're talking about is the simplest interpretation of all this is there's not just one event there's other versions of it and not just the binary like heads or tails. I'm talking a continuum of versions and you and I are in one of them in the audience right now where this happened. There's another parallel reality where I'm the interviewer and you're the guest, you know, and all these different permutations. Now I know that's a little weird for our minds to accept it. it, it, Our conscious mind, believe me, someone who's been involved in remote viewing, resonant viewing for quite a while, Our minds like to believe it's sort of straightforward and simple. There's a past and a present and a future, but that doesn't mean that's how it really works, that there's only one version of things. Mm -hmm. That just means like frequency wise, you're tuned to a certain radio station that had a certain sequence of events. That doesn't mean the other radio stations aren't on the band. 
you're just tuned to a particular one of them at the time with a certain set of events, whether it's the scenario you mentioned with Nelson Mandela. You know, in FM radio, there's this idea back when we used radios more than we do now of the capture yeah. effect. FM radio would like lock into one frequency versus another, which made mm-hmm. it superior to AM radio because you didn't get that bleed through like you did with AM radio where you could hear two stations at the same time. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Capture effect is very similar to what we're talking about with these parallel realities. Your conscious mind locks into one version of of these events and you're in this version where other people experience that too but again to me and i'm just making the sean carroll argument uh the the most realistic interpretation is that there are different versions and you're not experiencing all of them but that doesn't mean the other you're you're not tuned into the other radio stations at the moment you're tuned into this interview that doesn't mean there aren't other interviews going on right now on the internet that are being going to get broadcast through zoom or something like that. Right. They, right. They all exist. And, and it does just because you're perceiving one version doesn't mean the rest doesn't exist. And I think this is a very interesting uh, point because we have this bias as humans that the only thing that's real is what our sense perceptions tell us is real, but that's an assumption. We only perceive mm-hmm. a range of frequencies from our eyes and our ears that doesn't mean the other frequencies aren't there. And our own experience with radio and channels, uh, whether you have satellite or cable, or like when I was a kid growing up, there were just like 11 stations on the dot. There are other <laughs> stations there. And I think that's yeah. the, the best analogy to use for this. Yeah. So so in, 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 in your mind, and let me get this straight, because um, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, but if you want to equate consciousness and parallel realities to um, different radio channels, let's say you listen to radio channel A, then you get sick of it and you want to change your tune, so you change your intention or your thought process or your focus and you change it to radio station B and you focus on what they're delivering and let's say you get to a point where you're like oh I, I've grown in my understanding of myself and my reality my spirituality whatever you want to call it so now I've kind of outgrown this and I want to change to a different radio station where I focus on you know this outcome or this subject so are we always just shifting between different realities like we're, sh- like we're changing and tuning into different stations I think that's how it really works mm-hmm we're, I think we're shifting between micro parallel realities all the time. And it gives us this sense of passage of time. Mm. And it's so similar to the previous frames from a few minutes ago that you're, you don't notice much of a change and it gives you the feeling of being at a constant frequency on a certain channel. But I think we're doing it all the time without realizing it. And it's only when there's kind of a a bigger change that you notice that there are discontinuities, that there's the Mandela effect and so forth. Mandela Mandela effect. Yeah. Um, But I think these are real principles. And I think if you look at all of these range of phenomena that we call paranormal, I think there's an aspect of it that suggests that there is other life forms there's other types of consciousness that consciousness is not something in our head 
right. it's a bigger field that we're all participants in. And it has such a big range that in our lifetimes, even if you study and you focus and you meditate and you attempt to do your best to understand yourself, you will only experience a range of those frequencies, even if you're pushing it as hard as you can as an explorer of consciousness to try to understand reality. It's a lot bigger than our minds understand. And I think that's really the challenge for all of us. Can we accept that it's larger? For me, being involved in crop circles did it because I wouldn't have expected, as you can imagine, that you could just walk in a wheat field and all your cameras and watches, things start acting weird. That to me was like saying, wow, there's something going on here that I don't understand. And it, it led to a lot of really interesting uh, you know, topics that remote viewing for me led to, I call it resonant viewing, but it led to the resonance of crop circles which also, why do you have UFOs involved in crop circles? And then the other phenomena. And again, what I think it led me to believe is that there's a continuum of resonance. Your culture brought you up to see things in a certain way. My culture, we are, we're sharing one here because we're on the same channel. We see things in a certain way, but right. that doesn't mean that there aren't other versions of it that are equally valid. And I think that's the big lesson in terms of extraterrestrial consciousness, other life forms on the planet. And we're all in the process right now of growing up from being little kids where we think, oh, there's only this channel that I, there's other channels. I think that's what the government is telling us right now with these interest in forming UFO subcommittees within the Pentagon. They're realizing we can't ignore this anymore. There's other types of resonance around with their own consciousness, their own craft, their own energy and frequency, and they're as real as we are. And that's a big step for humanity. It's as real as we are. We're not the only ones here. That's my right. So let me ask you this with regards to frequency and human consciousness. So you've, you've already established that there's different levels of consciousness, consciousness and resonance. In, pe- in different people. Some have a higher frequency than others. Um, with these crop circles, everybody experiences them a little bit different. Maybe there's some connection to what frequency the crop circle participant is radiating at and then them coming into it. And you know, some people get more um, and some people get less than others. So it may be a little bit of that, like we're talking about that, that, that tuning fork, like trying to find that that balance now with regards to aliens or beings of of different frequencies maybe we are not seeing them um because we're not tuning in to that radio signal that they're on right okay so maybe the crop circles are a way to communicate that if you can get to this resonance, if you can get to this level of frequency in your consciousness, we will be listening to the same station and be able to communicate. Because right now we're just two different signals trying, you know. And and typically with a higher signal, like if it, it if you're in a higher signal, you can see the ones below you. But if you're in a lower one, you can't see the ones above you. So, um, what are your thoughts in people who want to? Um, raise their personal frequency to be able to have a clearer connection to 
uh, I don't know if you want to call them interdimensional beings or beings of higher frequency. No, that's a really good question. I mean, the main thing is to have a forward facing frequency yourself where you, and that's why crop circles are so important here, where you don't insist you know what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's what crop circles did personally for me is I thought they were one thing when I started, then I realized humans were involved in some of them. It was more complex. And I realized my mind couldn't figure it out. You showed a picture of the Mandelbrot set in the crop circle from 91. Okay. So yeah. in my PhD dissertation, I studied a certain type of fractal called the Koch snowflake, which is a six-sided star. The first circle I went in in 97 was a Koch snowflake, but it was the size of a football field. Uh -huh. Near Silbury Hill, this earth mound, old, the oldest earth mound in Europe. There was a huge Coke snowflake. To go in that after seeing it this big in a book, to go in one that was huge was kind of a mind-blowing experience. So getting out of your comfort zone of just thinking about things to actually walking around in a fractal uh, was a sort of like a mind and body expanding experience mm -hmm. for me. And I think that puts you in a position to start accepting that you don't totally know what's going on and there could be something else there that you didn't expect. And I think that's a healthy process. And where that ultimately leads, as you're suggesting, is a place where we're on a common frequency with other life forms. Instead of seeing them xenophobically, like some sort of threat or alien, you don't think of the other channels on the TV as alien. They're just other channels. We need right. And so you start growing up a little bit saying, well, it's neutral. It's just another frequency. And if, if, if crops can take another frequency, wheat normally is just all standing up and then you push it down. It's in shapes. It's doing things energetically. It, it leads you to question other things about reality. And I think where that leads you is other, the reality of other life forms that may not seem, you know, as physically tangible as mm -hmm. the physical environment around us, but equally real. I think that's an important point for us to get to, to begin to have this conversation of what is really going on here. It's, it's, it's the direction our society's headed in right now. Right. Now, whether it's crop circles or remote viewing or whatever gets you to this discussion, it's different for different people. Mm -hmm. For me, it had, it's going from RV to crop circles to UFOs and other related topics. But now we see that our own government has been interested in studying this the whole time. They may not have talked about it very much mm. for their own reasons, but they're certainly starting to talk about it now. Right. So I think it, it, it's the discussion. So to go back to your question, just to answer it, what can people do? You need to stop insisting that it's the way you thought it was and really take a look. Let nature tell you how it, things are working rather than you trying to impose your ideas on nature of how it should work. That's mm -hmm. what it led me to. Crop circles are sort of this weird hybrid between technology, the shapes. Some mm -hmm. of them you said looked like, you know, kind of like a logo or something. Whether yeah. it's not, I don't know. <laughs> but it's this, it's this hybrid between nature, plants, and symmetrical geometry. And so it's that sort of interface that we all deal with every day. And, and I think it's a it's an important discussion and learning experience. How are we treating the planet? You know, what sort of energies are we creating? What are the ramifications of how we live? These are all important uh, topics for us to discuss. We all share the same planet here. 
Yeah. So we need to be having a discussion and a dialogue. And I think we'll realize that it was bigger than we thought it was. And not, well, not, there, there's other realities there. You know, one more thing. And it, they, they used to think that the earth was two things. It was a solid sphere mm-hmm. and a water earth. This is back a couple hundred years ago. They couldn't figure out how it fit together. Was it, you know, like an apple floating in a pond? Is that the earth? And they couldn't quite conceive of it. And then they finally realized, you know, it's part water and part earth. The explorers visited and they started getting this sense that it's water, earth and water mixed together. It never ends our learning. And it wouldn't surprise me if you continue this expansion of what the earth is, is that there are other earths next, right in the same space as the one we're perceiving. I know mm-hmm. that seems really weird, but it, there was a time when it was really weird to think of oceans and land next to each other that was also really weird yeah weird anymore so it's just a process of growing up and and realizing what the way you thought it was is not necessarily the way it actually is right right so we have to really open ourselves i mean all of this just demands us to open ourselves up to not even consider the possibility but acknowledge that there are multiple versions of reality parallel realities, whatever you want to call it. And um, so, you know, timelines can be vertical, vertical or horizontal. I mean, you know, it, it, it really comes back to the existential question is how do you want to experience the time that you have here if you know that you're just tuning into different frequencies and different radio signals, but it's one yeah, seamless journey for you. Right, right. Well, let me ask you. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I mean, it, it, it's it's really about learning about your own assumptions and limitations that you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what science is ultimately about. That's what this whole discussion is about is, do you have limiting beliefs in your mind that you're not aware you have that are leading you to perceive things in a certain way? And then you finally realize looking at something as difficult to understand as crop circles were and still are in some ways. There's other ways of looking at it. It's kind of like a type of humility. And what crop circles taught me was humility. It was more complex than I thought. And that's a big one. You think I'm right. My point of view is right. No, there's multiple points of view that are all correct. That is very challenging. And it's a big process to get to realize it's true. It's all of the above. It's not just one possibility. Right, right. Well, Dr. Hine, tell us, um, are you doing crop circle tours again we haven't been doing them because of COVID, I'm afraid. Okay. And it doesn't look like that's going to be resolved immediately. <laughs> Again, okay. so it, it looks like this might be another year where we don't do the tours just because we don't want to travel there and have to be in quarantine for two weeks and so forth. And we don't know how this is going to evolve. I mean, it looks like it might be getting better now, but... Um, I, I sure do hope so. That's yeah. not the that's not the radio signal that I'm tuning into. <laughs> well, that's very important. I mean, these things are we can we can change these realities. You're talking the, about the Mandela effect, but um, you know you can change what happens by you know looking at these situations and seeing a more positive outcome from them. Even something that seems as negative as COVID and the the situation we've had with this respiratory virus, I mean, it's certainly leading to some positive things also in terms of our awareness of the spaces we share, how we interact, 
hygiene, all these things. So um, that I think is really the, 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 you know, you asked me earlier on, what does this crop circle mean? And it can mean different things to different people in any situation. I think that's the way you start to see things of parallel realities is realizing that it isn't inherently one thing or another. There's different points of view, even on the same situation. Those are parallel realities. Well, you know, with the, with the concept of, not even a concept, with the experience of the Mandela effect being a factor into basically recognizing parallel realities exist and people from different timelines could merge into an experience yeah. together as a, a parallel experience on the same timeline uh you know the outcome for the pandemic the the radio signal that i'm focusing on and put my energy and attention on is one where um say like my sister she's equally as educated as i am uh masters in xxxx she is on a different spectrum than i am uh you know she's wearing her three masks because she got her, her boosters all, you know she's on the other spectrum than i am but the radio frequency that I tune in is that we can both coexist and still be able to be free to exist however we want to live as it is endemic and be respectful of each other and nobody gets persecuted. Everybody right. can roam free um, just as we have been with other diseases that have come before the coronavirus and we have all existed and been able to um, be free and live uh, peacefully amongst each other with all the viruses before that are even more deadly. So um, that's that's the radio, radio frequency that I am focusing on. And but until you can start doing those cross circle tours, where can people get your books again? Oh sure. Uh, well, you can find my books on Amazon. There's you know Opening Minds, Black Swan Ghost, which is just about UFO witnesses and uh, planetary intelligence which is more about chi energy mm. and kind of existing harmoniously with the rhythms and frequencies just of the earth. You know, this is the place that we spend the most time. So uh, you can feel free to visit my blog at newcrystalmind.com. And my RV classes are at resonantviewing.org, resonantviewing.org. There are self-paced classes where you can just go through on your own. And I do live classes a couple of times a year. We're about to do an intermediate RV class. Uh, and how in- much is that RV class? How much are they? Yeah. So are, like, if, they, if somebody wants to sign up for your remote viewing class, yeah. um, do, is it pre-recorded so they can learn as they go or is it only Some live? Some of them are pre-recorded and you just go through the videos at your own pace mm. and you show yourself that you are kind of creating these, uh, you're participating in these parallel realities. I, I don't think RV would be possible if there weren't these kind of, you know, juncture points between the past and the present and the future. It shows it's kind of a little more blended than you thought or you wouldn't be able to get that information ahead of time, at least in my view. But yeah, they're self-recorded. There's these self-paced classes I have, and then I do them live through Zoom like this a couple times a year. And yeah, there are a few hundred dollars that are affordable. And uh, oh. it's a lot of fun. We do it as a group. And uh, I think it's it's one way to access the kind of uh, multi, multi-resonant aspect of this universe we live in it just shows you that what's going on in your conscious mind is not the only thing that's happening that's the essence of rv is that there are other types of perceptions coming in 
that are reliable. I think the data has shown they're reliable. I don't think the US government would have been funding this for 20 years if they weren't getting something out of it. So it's fun just to show yourself that this exists, that it's possible. You can see see things from different points of view and really get information that's not coming through your physical senses. Yeah. Mm, that might be a good skill to have if you're going to be meditating in one of these crop circles. Yeah, it all kind of, yeah. All kind of connects. It all kind of connects. Yeah. Well, do you have a last message for the people of fifth dimensional earth? Yeah, I mean, I think we're coming across up to a very, a very exciting time. Uh, this is something that I've been involved with, you know, maybe only 30 years or so. But I think what we're going to find is there's different types of consciousness. There's other types of species. And it's not necessarily something that has to be scary or negative mm -hmm. or anything. I mean, you could put that interpretation on it. I think this is just reality. I think there's other types of life around other types of awareness. And just because we haven't seen them doesn't mean that they don't haven't been paying attention to us. And I yeah. think that is the direction we're going in here. And I think that's the, you know, it's an expanding universe. Hundreds of years ago, people thought, oh, the earth is the center of everything. And then Copernicus and Galileo came along and said, well, you know, there's other ways it could yeah. work. Maybe there's a solar system. And it's been expanding ever since then. Now we just launched the James Webb telescope, which is going to have, you know, I think I'm told a thousand times more depth than the Hubble telescope. It's an expanding universe, perhaps a multiverse. I think that's where it's going. And I think people need to feel comfortable with it. We need to deal with that. You need to do whatever you need to do to feel comfortable and, you know, have a positive feeling about that. Sure, it's a little daunting to realize how big it is, but think of the possibilities and the excitement of interacting with other species, other life forms. Personally, that's where I think it's going. I, I don't see any other way, but, you know, that's my point of view on it. Well, that's a great last message, and that gives a lot of optimism for what's to come. So there's even more that we haven't even comprehended. So, Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, with that, Dr. Simeon Hine, thank you for offering your lifetime work in furthering our understanding of crop circles, UFOs, and consciousness as many of us try our best to live the best frequency here on Spaceship Earth. So for more information about Dr. Hines' books, offerings, and courses, again, please visit his website, newcrystalmind.com. And I think there's some other ones I'll put in there as well. And again, thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.